I'd just like to direct your attention to um, Tough Topics series. You know, this is a sheet that some of us might have gotten, or maybe hopefully all of us have gotten. We're wondering, okay, what's going to take place during this, this series? And, um, and what you see is, you see, I'll tell you how we were designing the class, Everything that you really don't talk about, that you should talk about, we're going to talk about. <laughs> that's, that's our tough topics. And um, because what takes place is that people are wondering what the Bible says about this, wondering what the Bible says about that and the other. And so that's what this class is designed for. Um, this class is not limited in scope of what you see here on your paper. So in other words, if there is another topic that you think needs to be discussed, that you should talk about, that we should bring up, um, I want you to um, fill out a card um, in the back, you know, just like a prayer card. Uh, you don't even need to put your name on it. Just put tough topic class and then put down your question. Um, and then if you say, we need to talk about this, um, and, and, and then, you know, we'll go through it. We'll, we'll bring it up. We'll talk about it. We, you know. One of the reasons of the drive to this class is, is that, you know, we are being swallowed by um, um, a culture that is sexually active, sexually corrupt, sexually a mess. And, um, and our kids are being faced with it. And um, as our kids are being faced with it, parents are going, what do we do? How do we do? What's taking place? What's going on? And that's another reason why I put this topic in here is because we just got to get down to the bare bones and just say it the way it is and try to figure out what the Bible is saying about it, trying to figure out what the Bible is speaking into in regards to those areas. So, you know, with that being said, um, it's going to get, I will warn you guys when it does, say, hey, next week is just going to be a little rough, just to let you guys know, in a sense of graphic, in a sense, we just got to explain this. We just got to figure out what this says. Um, the Bible is rated R. People like to no, no, it's not. The Bible's not rated R. The Bible, it gets right to the bare bones of these issues. But we don't, as a church, we don't discuss those issues. But in this class, we will definitely be discussing those issues. So these are kind of the areas that we will be going, topics that we will be bringing up, and that we really encourage you to, um, um, to um, even bring up more. And not only necessarily in questions, because some questions, I'll just say, some questions are not an answer that I can just give you. Um, in fact, you'll see me say, okay, that question right there, that's a sermon. Because I can't just give you an answer. Because if I give you an answer, you'll react to the answer. Other people react to the answer. We have to unfold the Bible for that answer so you can see, like this morning, a picture of what, that, um, of what is going on with that answer. So you're going to get definitely get that um, taken place. So... The largest, you wonder why this is a hot topic, and this is the reason why it's the most hottest topic um, in the world, and everything actually kind of comes back to this um, topic. And the reason why it's picked, in addition, is I want to set the stage before we walk into these difficult topics. And that is, is the Bible relevant for today? Um, it is a large argument. It is the one thing that Satan wants to take out of this world. Because if the Bible is not relevant, then there is no need for a God. There is no source that we can go to. So if I was Satan and I wanted to destroy the world, there is one thing I would definitely go after. And it would be that, that Bible. 
So um, under this topic, you're going to see us talk about the Bible in perspective of our entire life. So let's just kind of look at it. Number one, the greatest spiritual battle our world faces is on the topic of relevance. What is relevant? What is not? This class, whenever we talk about a subject, we are going to the Bible as the only source of relevance. Not our culture, not our opinion, not anything. We're going to put so much weight in there because the spiritual battle is what is relevant. And you're going to get from this class, the Bible is completely and entirely not outdated, but relevant for us today. Genesis 3, 4 through 5, you will not surely die. Who is this talking? This is Satan talking. He is trying to destroy mankind and he has it on his fingertips how he is going to destroy it. He knows that if he can take the lady and get her to sin, it would be a step of owning humanity. And this is what is in the topic of his mind. So what is he going to do? You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Three things were given. What's oh, the greatest spiritual battle our world faces is on the topic of relevance. So, what's this saying? Eve, your eyes will be open. You will be like God. You will know good and evil, this is the hottest topic the world faces. The hottest topic America faces, the hottest topic you face. Why? Because if your eyes are open, do you need the God? Do you need the Bible? We live in a world where our eyes are open and we don't really need a God. You will be like God. We can fix it ourselves. If we can fix it ourselves, then we really don't need God. You will know good and evil. What this passage is saying is God is not relevant for you. There's one statement going on in our world, and do you know what it is? God is not relevant for you. That's a statement. The Bible is not relevant for you. These three things. Your eyes will be open. You don't need him. You will be like God. Why would you want him? You will know good and evil. All power is in you, not in the Bible, not in God. We hear Proverbs 16, 25. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. So let's just look at this. Number two, if the Bible is not relevant, what is? If the Bible does not carry relevance, what is? Bill Kobach write um, a journal, and in this journal, um, he made this statement about the news. Here's his statement in regards to the topic of the news. The foremost value of the news is to empower the informed. The purpose of journalism is thus to provide citizens with the information they need to make the best possible decisions about their lives. 
their communities, their societies, and their governments. That's the news. <laughs> when you watch the news, do they carry this power? I went and I explored every single mission statement that the news has. What's the, the, what's the, what's the mission statement of CNN? What's the mission statement of Fox? What's the mission statement? We are here to inform people so they can make decisions about their life. Let me say this again. Your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, and you will know good and evil. Where do you get the source? The source comes from where you're receiving your information. Where are you receiving your information? Well, it depends on how engrossed you're in the Word or not. Because if you're not receiving it from the Word, so much information is literally coming our way, and we don't even know it's coming our way. It is changing our opinions, it's changing our attitudes, the neglect of reading the word, knowing the word, and being driven by the word will automatically put you into an area of your eyes will be opened and it won't be God. You will be like God because you can fix it. God doesn't, you don't need God. And you will know good or evil. Satan um, is working aggressively. And he's working aggressively by saying, Bible's not relevant and neither is God. So I want to make strong statements today. Number three, the Bible is scientifically relevant. Scientifically relevant. If you want science, you can go to the Bible. Now, there's another thing that's come out, and it's, it's, it's evolution. Uh, what is evolution? Let's go back. Our eyes are finally opened. We have now discovered our origin Oh, we will be like God because we understand how to do things now, now that our eyes are open. And since we understand how to do things, good and evil will be then decided by us. Steve Hawkins, a physicist, made some quotes. This is Steve Hawkins, not a believer, physicist, just passed away last year. What I have done is to show that it is possible for the way the universe began to be determined by the laws of science. In that case, it would not be necessary to appeal to God to decide who the universe began. Tis doesn't prove, this does not prove that there is no God. It only proves that God is not necessary. What is the statement that Adam or that um, Satan gave to Eve. The only statement off those three is God is not necessary. Why? Because we found something else. Something beautiful. Something we can take. Something we can embrace. Here's another quote from Steve Hawkins. Before we understand science, it is natural to believe that God created the universe. But now science offers a more convincing explanation. What I meant by we would not know the mind of God is we would know everything that God would know if there were a God, which there isn't. I am an atheist. What are they doing? It's the same thing, convincing fact, of what Satan gave Adam and Eve. People are trying to take the position. He's not the only one taking the position. The news is taking the position as well. The only quote that I really agree with Steve Hawkins on is... I'm not going to give you the quote yet. I'm going to wait to give you the quote that I agree with him on. We have to look at everything through the eyes of Scripture. If we don't look at absolutely 
everything through the eyes of Scripture, then we are not going to be looking correctly. When you watch the news, you have to watch the news through the eyes of Scripture. Let me give you something that was in the news, often in the news, is um, we're going to make it to Mars. You know something? There is life on Mars. If we can find water on Mars, then we will be there. It's fascinating. We glom onto it. We look. We wait. We anticipate. Billions of dollars are then going towards this trip to Mars. Why? Because we live in a universe where life could exist. Let me ask you the question, does life exist outside of Earth? Well, a good source would be to probably look at the Bible. If you look at the Bible, there's interesting things that God says. Number one is that we are only people made in God's image. There is nothing made in God's image rather than us. There is only three life forms that are explained in the Bible. God, the fallen angels, sorry, four, the angels, the fallen angels, and us. Those three life forms are the only life forms that are in the Bible. And what's interesting about those three life forms is an eternal destination is given to those three life forms. By what? By something that took place on this planet. Therefore, the cross where Christ died did not only put us in our place, it put all the life forms in its place. And there is billions of planets out there, billions of galaxies out there, so many But where does God die? Uh, Where is man made in God's image? I believe that maybe there's life out there, but with the cross that is on this planet gives us a significant thing that takes place, that God is doing something here. And all of the glories of the angels are what? Are praising him on this planet. So is there life on other planets? We could think, oh, it's a big space. Well, how do we know? You go to the Word of God. You feast on the Word of God. You understand what's important to God. You understand what God has invested in. And you understand that when he created the heavens and the earth and the investment that he put there and said, I mean, the stars around it and all that focus is there. As you could look at a whole universe and say, you know what? There isn't. And if there is, there's angels and their demons, and who knows what's going on up there, but we will not find them because Scripture is not giving that to us. You know, these guys are very, very brilliant trying to get to Mars, and we look at them, and we wonder their brilliance, and we go, wow, these guys are smart. Billions of dollars have come into this, and I will tell you that I will not come close to competing with their minds, but as a Christian, I'd just like to give them one piece of advice, is that you can buy a Bible for a buck ninety-nine and save a whole lot of money if you do that direction instead. It should be every single direction. Everything is looked through the eyes of the, in the lens of Scripture. Nothing is not looked through the eyes nor the lens of Scripture. Steve Hawkins said this, and it's the only quote I agree with him. Religion is for the simple-minded. I agree with him. Why? Paul agrees with him. 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that 
no one may boast before him. Whenever we see people travel to different planets, always remember that it's, we're only on planet two in a galaxy, that it's billion, billion, and billions. Well, actually, I guess it'd be planet three that we're trying to get to, that it's billion, billions, billions of galaxies away. But do we look at that and say, this is amazing? Or do we look at this and say, whoa, being on planet two is nothing compared to the God that holds the billions. And that's the way that we should be looking at it, through the eyes and the lens of Scripture. I don't mean to attack the news, and I'm not going to try to attack the news the whole time, but what else is um, on the news? Um, I'm not going to give you my opinion. How do I do this? Because it is. Let's read a little bit of the news. This is a news report I read last week. The earth doesn't just spin while on its axis. It wobbles. Scientists at NASA said they have identified three reasons why it is happening. Melting ice in Greenland, 75,000 gigatons of ice, 20 million Empire State buildings is number one. Number two, why the world wobbles. Rising temperatures during the 20th century caused the ice to melt in Greenland. And then the third factor is Greenland's location on the earth plays a role in how the earth wobbles. Another factor noted in the research is in glacier rebound, a process where land once depressed by heavy glaciers begin to rise. Also, the circulation of material inside the earth mantle, called mantle convention, plays a role. These guys are a lot smarter than I would ever be. Then they give us an explanation how it can be stopped. They are like God taking a position. And let me tell you that we have the wisdom for it to be stopped. It can be stopped only if we get serious about addressing global warming. I want to know how to stop this. I mean, I'm just, I'm just want to tell you. I'm not trying to tell you stuff. I want to know how to stop the earth from wobbling. So I looked it up, and I've done research. Um, power your home with renewable energy. Weatherize, weatherize, weatherize. Invest in energy. Efficient appliances. Reduce water waste. Eat the food. You buy less meat. Buy less meat because cows and animals consume the resources that we need to make sure that global warming does not take in place. Buy better bulbs. Drive fuel-efficient vehicles. Maintain your right. Rethink planes, trains, and automobiles. And shrink your carbon profile. So that's okay. But, but what are we doing We're holding on to a planet that wobbles, and it wobbles for a reason. And what's the reason? It's us. We figured it out, and the only power to fix it is us. Is that the same lie that Satan made to Adam and Eve? You will be like God. You will understand. There's no need for God in this situation. I'm not going to try to figure out if the earth wobbles or not, but if the earth wobbles, I know a reason why it wobbles. Isaiah forty twelve. God has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands and marked off the heavens by a span, calculated the dust of the earth by a measure, and weighed the mountains in balance and the hills in pairs, scales. God gets aggressive when we start playing with his planet. We see that in Job 38. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, what set the measurements? 
since you know or what stretched the line on it or what you are the basis that it sunk or who laid the cornerstone? Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you entered into the springs of the sea and walked in the recesses of the deep? Have you entered the storehouse of the snow or have you seen the storehouse of hail? Um, God from Scripture is screaming, Who are you? What do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And Satan is screaming into this world, You can be like God. You will know good or evil. And your wisdom will make it good for this earth. This is the three. It's the biggest argument in the world. Job 26. God wraps up the waters in his clouds, and the cloud does not burst underneath them. When it comes to something that we see and we can fix, and there's an explanation, we go after it politically, we go after it financially, and we attack it full force. Hurricane Florence came in. And when Hurricane Florence came in, there is no stopping it. But what holds that water? What, how many trillions of gallons? What holds that water as the storm is approaching? If you look at the Bible, you see the hand of God. If you look at everything through that lens, God wraps the water in the clouds, and the clouds, it don't fall. It does not fall. It does not burst under it. When you read the Bible, you see the glory of God saying, you're not in control. You're not king of kings. You don't know what's good and bad. You don't know that. Look at my source. That's what he is saying to the church. And most definitely, this is the source that we'll be walking off in this class and there's no other source besides what is there. And I need to speed up aggressively. Number four, the Bible, the Bible is morally relevant. We're going to get into sexuality, and when we get into sexuality, the largest thing that uh, we will definitely be talking about is that sex is not physical. Um, the world wants us to believe what? Hollywood wants us to believe what? Everybody wants us to believe what? That sex is physical and you can have a physical act and then go on and live your life and never have anything that's going to affect you at all. You can go from here, you can go from here, you can go from here, you can go from here. Sex is not physical. It is the most emotional thing that you can ever come in contact with. The most emotional thing you can ever come in contact with. And that is the reason why if you were abused as a child, it is so difficult to get over. If it was a physical act, it's no big deal. Why would a woman rather be beaten than raped? Because it's emotional. It's carrying an emotion. So when God is talking, the Bible is talking about morality, there's something that's going behind the thickness of morality that is being brought out. Paul, speaking the words of God, which is the ultimate psychologist, says this, 1 Corinthians 6.18, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Don't forget that this is just a letter that probably should have been lost on its way to the church of Corinth. Just a letter that should have been thrown away. All the way through 2,000 years, this letter has maintained and is now in our hands, and it has the most psychological, in-depth, statements of our humanity that we've ever seen. And this should be a statement that we don't figure out our own morality. 
We don't figure out what is right or wrong. We don't decide what is good or evil. There is somebody else who decides what is good and evil. And it's God, the one who made us, the one that created us. 2 Peter 2, 2, And many will follow their own sensualities, and because of them the way of truth will be maligned. We live in that world where we are following the sensualities and the desires of the one, because we're like God, the three things that are taking place, we're like God, those things are coming out, and as a result, where are we going in our world? We'd be maligned, following what? Something else rather than God. Now, it's fun to talk about the world and say, this is where the world is at, and the world is pulling away from God, following their sensualities and those things, but we've got to bring it up that the church is being attacked just as much or even more, I would almost say more, I would say more, than even the world in regards to that. And it's the same attack. You can be like God. You can know good and evil. You can follow your sensualities. And as those things start taking place, there's a drift that's happening. So I want to go back and ask the question, is the Bible relevant? <laughs> the Bible is not only relevant, the Bible is the screen that we look through absolutely everything to. Everything goes through the screen of the Bible. And the only thing that competes with it is the news. I mean, what other information that is coming in? So it's two sort of, you've got to find the information that's coming in. The Bible is a screen. Whatever else comes in is going to be competing with the Bible. Make sure we're looking at the Bible as the ultimate source, and it's the screen we look through. The Bible is ethically relevant. Definition of ethics, the study of general natural moral laws, of the specific moral choices to be made by a person. God has created this world to function well. And the way that this world is created to function well is that if everybody is inside of God's ethics, something amazing would happen. The thing that would be amazing, there'd be harmony, there would be growth, there'd be economical growth, there'd be relationships that are just booming. (laughs) Somebody made the statement, if you really want to take out the American debt, what is it, $19 trillion, you know, a good way to start is to keep marriages together. Because if you would look at the billions and the billions and the billions and the billions of dollars that go out from generation to generation to generation because we can't hold relationships um, together. So what comes with ethics is God says, I have a plan for you to live in complete wealth, complete harmony, complete beauty. Everything will be yours if you live under this ethical guidelines. Let's just pretend everybody lived under these ethical guidelines, what would happen? There is a term that is mentioned, what will happen. And you know what that term is? It's called heaven. The term is heaven. When all ethical guidelines will be completely in place and we will be in heaven then. So what do we do on earth? I want heaven in my relationship with my wife. I want heaven relationship in my church. I want heaven in my community. I want heaven everywhere. Well, God's given us a book that says, follow these ethical guidelines. And as a result, heaven will take place. Oh, basic even law. Don't murder. If you murder, what's going to take place? 
I will tell you I would lose my job. <laughs> I hope I lose my job. I would lose my wife. I'd lose my, I'd lose absolutely everything. So it's one like, okay, I got to take that out of the guideline. I got to make sure, make sure I don't do that. But what about the other ones? Don't lie. What do I need? I need my credibility. Under those ethical guidelines, that's when life takes place. Outside the ethical guidelines, life does not take place. I'll ask you again, is the Bible relevant? (laughs) It is completely ethically relevant. And the reason why anything in the Bible is even given to us is because God wants us to feel heaven on earth. And if we choose to obey it and respond to it and live with it, what will we find? Heaven on earth. Here's Now, we're in a country that says, you know, what is ethics? It's kind of relevant. Well, it's not relevant because it's built into our nature. Therefore, when we see ethics, if we don't look it through the lens of Scripture, we will never find what even America is looking for. And there's some pretty prominent government officials that understood that. Here's Samuel West played a crucial role in the ratification of the U.S. Constitution. Here's a statement. He says, perfect freedom consists in obeying dictates of right reason and submitting to natural law. When a man goes beyond or contrary to the law of their nature and reason, he introduces um, confusion and disorder into society. Thus, where licentious indulgence and sexual pleasures begin, freedom ends. This is somebody that's in the government. And he's saying, as soon as we follow a sensuality, freedom is then taken away. But we live in a world that says, follow your emotions, follow your freedom. But then they cry when our emotions and our freedom are molesting kids. No, 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 don't do that. You follow your emotions, you follow your freedom, you follow your desires, but no, don't go that far. Where is the line? The moral line is is Scripture, not outside of it. And so when you hear a moral line is save yourself for marriage, that moral line is life by doing it or disorder from not doing it. You see what's taking place with Scripture? Is the Scripture relevant? It is for peace and prosperity in America. Scripture is even relevant. George Washington makes a statement of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. <laughs> There's George Washington's statement. You get rid of morality and you get rid of religion and our country will even fall. Why? Because the ethics are based inside of Scripture, should not be based outside. Romans thirteen eight owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law in its entirety. Again, there's a taste of heaven on earth. If we would just love each other, what's going to take place? <laughs> uh, heaven on earth. Psalms 23, 25, 21. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. These are just simple things. How many bosses are starving for somebody to come into an interview and look them in the face and say, I have complete integrity? You know how many bosses are just starving for somebody that would have integrity? And if you have integrity, he's going to take you to the top. She's going to take you to the top. Well, where do we get the concept of have integrity? 
We get it from the Word of God. Number six, the Bible is historically relevant. Um, I need to be moving pretty fast, so I'm just going to hit this one pretty fast. Um, where do we get our languages? Many different languages. Ryan Sieben's right now in China, in China, and he's asked for prayer requests because he says, okay, the American team is now left, and I am in a country all alone, and people are not speaking great English that I'm around, and there is a lot of pressure. He lives in a different world, and they're speaking jumbo-jumbo that does not even connect with us. Where did those languages come from? Here's the, here's the answer. The topic is very difficult to study about languages because of lack of direct evidence. Consequently, scholars wishing to study the origins of language must draw inferences from other kinds of evidence such as fossil records, archaeological evidence, contemporary language diversity, studies in, in language acquisition, and comparisons between human language and the system of communication through existing among the animals, particularly other primates. This shortage of numerical evidence has led many scholars to regard the entire topic as unsuitable for serious studies. They don't know where the languages come from. Genesis 11, 8. So the Lord scattered them all over the earth and stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world from there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. That is about 30 words of an explanation of why the languages are scattered all over the earth. So we can use our minds and we can be our God, but it comes up empty-handed in absolutely everything because the Bible is historically correct and it is the only base of huge historical correctness that exists out there that is large and gives us all the answers. Don't look at the Bible and say it's out of date. And we can't even look at the Bible and say, well, you know, we live in a new era, and they live in another era, and their era does not work with our era, but the God is a God in control of all eras. And it is historically correct and presently correct even in the same way. I'm going to skip a lot. I've got some explanations of historical books that said there was a Jesus. And you know what? There is a Jesus. Historically, nobody doubts it, and everybody who uses the Lord's name in vain believes it. I guarantee it. They would not use the Lord's name in vain if they didn't believe it um, because it's a statement of defiance and anger to God and King when it is given. Um, moving right along. Number eight. This is going to... Um, oh, wait a second. This, um, believe Scripture as your ultimate truth. Okay, number seven. Here's our challenge. This is our challenge. Believe Scripture as your ultimate truth. <laughs> Look through the lens of Scripture as your ultimate lens. Do not go outside and get rid of anything that competes with it. Um, when we talk in this class, we are going to open up the Bible, and when we open up the Bible... We are not going to do anything to convince you. I do not want to give you my political opinion. We talked about politics a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to give you my political opinion. I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. I'm not going to give you all that stuff. That's not the agenda. The only agenda is, is we have big topics in this world that we're facing. And open the Bible to see what it says. 
And as we open up the Bible to see what it says, I will tell you what's going to happen in this room is people are going to go, oh, get a little frustrated. How do I know that? We'll just say it in number eight. We live in a world where liberals are very offended by the Bible. Now, I said in this room, but I will tell you one thing, that it's easy for us in this room to say, this is what I agree with, and the whole world does not agree with it. I mean, the world out there does not agree with it. And I tell you that if liberals see Scripture, they react to it. Remember, the Bible is the ultimate source. But if I have something in my mind, and I'm responding, they're going to respond very aggressively against it. Number nine, we live in a world where conservatives are often offended by the Bible as well. That's when I'll put it on all of us. The reason why this class is tough topics is because we're going to open up the Bible and we're going to say, what does the Bible say? I'm not convincing anybody, but sometimes we're going to go through verses that's like, my nature in my church feels different, and it is going to bring attention into us. Remember, I'm not trying to convince anybody. All I'm trying to do is let's just feast on the Word and get you to think. That's all the goals are. But I'll tell you that every time I open up the Bible, I can get upset a little. Like, God, this is not the way it's been. This is not what I think. This is, and I have to work on some things even as I look at the Word and try to understand the Word and try to filter through the Word, try to, try to, try to see what the Bible is saying in those things. But I just want to say that it's very easy for us in this class to talk about liberals. It is. And we can come up with all these topics and, well, the liberals believe this, but we believe this. Liberals believe this. I just want to say the conservatives are going to open up the Bible as well, and we're going to see what does the Bible say? And no opinions are ever going to be given because we don't need opinions. We're not looking for opinions. We're looking through what Scripture says and just trying to read into it. And you might leave without answers as well, but that's okay. It will give us something to think about. Number 10, don't be liberal. Don't be conservative. Um, Be completely and entirely biblical. If our view through the world and everything is looked at from a biblical perspective, we've got to get rid of almost even the sense of liberal and conservative and say, if I am looking at this world it has got to be exactly through the eyes of Scripture and absolutely nothing else. And if I have a question, I have a doubt, I have anything, what does Scripture say about this? What does Scripture want to say about this? That is where we should go. That is where our source should be. So all we're going to do is have a topic. A lot of the topics are on our pages. Um, opinions um, are... Something we're going to try to avoid as much as we can. But what we're going to do is we're going to present it as just what does the Bible say about it? And if you leave like going, ah, I don't know, well, just think about it. Just research on it. Those things. So we did set up some goals in this class, and we're kind of setting up the stage for the class to even take place. Um, some goals that I just have, I don't know if these are on the chart or not, or on your notes, but some goals that we just put is the goal of this class is to get people to think about topics that we don't think about. Just people think, people want to study, people want to research more, people want to go after more. Um, When topics are not discussed, we don't think, and then we are educated by the news. We must put these topics on the stage, and as we put the topics on stage, the only goal is 
just think about it. Let's just get it through our mind. Let's leave and let it ponder. Let it stay with us. Right now, we are not thinking. The church is not thinking very much about sexuality and is not vocalized very much about sexuality. And the reason why I know that is because many people have come to my office and said, I haven't talked to my kids about sex yet. How do you do it? Um, I'm like, you, how old are your kids? I mean, well, you, we, we, you know, it's like, I mean, we've got to bring some topics up. When, you know, when they're 19 is not a good time to talk about that. You know, those kind of things. What we can easily do is we can stay neutral and not think and not respond and not work. And as we do, we are automatically swept, swept away. And our church is being swept away in a sexual culture because it can be neutral. That's why this class is taking place, because we want to try to figure out what's going on here. Um, next goal is we're going to talk about topics that are present in our culture but are rarely talked about in the church. Um, we'll get um, um, tough graphic. Okay, we don't talk about masturbation. Oh, my goodness, huh? I'm sorry. We're just going to, we're going to talk. Um, um, one of the goals of this class, I don't know if I put it on there or not, is that uh, I didn't put it on there, is that... People are asking questions in my office, and I want to refer them to, I preached a sermon on that. <laughs> Go listen to my sermon. I'll give you what I believe in that, top, that topic and that subject. Um, then it all of a sudden goes. So what that means is that means that you're being used. <laughs> you're being used so we can speak without a prayer, uh, with a, a, prayer, uh, 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 a play recorder and send people back to that and say, this is where we're at. This is what we move. This is what we think. This is what we could have wrong but we'll believe what the Bible you know, agrees on or disagrees on in any sort of subjects and those things. But as you can see, everybody's going to have their mind about those kind of topics. Oh, no, let me, I got my mind, I got this mind. Well, let's just try to figure out what's going on, and then that will be presented. Uh, number um, three, I don't know if they, uh, just a statement. Figure out what the Bible says in regards to each topic. Definitely, I'm going to go through the Scripture trying to figure this out. And then number uh, four, which is not number four, but... Um, I will give my interpretation of the topics discussed, not to convince anyone, but to challenge you to further research. That's it. I don't care if you agree with me. I don't want you to agree with me. D and I don't agree on everything. I mean, we love each other like crazy, but we're not supposed to just agree on everything. Because if we agree on everything, we're not thinking. We're not meditating. We're not trying to find answers. That's where we need to be, is we need to be disagreeing because then it offers a, a harvest and a, a, an area of growth in all of us as we continue to research. But it's going to be very hard for me to be the speaker and say, let me tell you all this and then not tell you where I stand. Um, please disagree with me if I tell you where I stand. It's freedom to disagree with me. i just trying to figure out what the Bible says and I could be wrong. And, um, and if you think I'm wrong... Praise God. That's okay. <laughs> There's no break in love or anything. It's, 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 it's where we stand. Um, number um, five is just keep unity by agreeing or just um, to disagree on, you know, even some topics. Those are just some goals that I just really like to take place in this room. For three years, um, we've talked about most of these topics. And as we've talked about most of these topics, um, the reason why we've had the avenue to talk about it is because of the maturity that has been in this room as we talk maturity of like, oh, I completely disagree with you, but I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. Um, this is a class that's even going a step further because of the maturity that has happened in this room because there is such unity in this body 
as a result of. Let's talk about this for the purpose of getting you to think, purpose you can think about what you want, believe what you want, but we're going to go after these topics and, and talk about them. So, all right, so we'll open up with questions. Um, Rich, looks like we got six minutes. You guys going to make me keep, can you talk? Yes, Wes. Um, I just wanted to mention point number 10 that you said. You said, don't be liberal, don't be conservative, be biblical. I just wanted to say right on, that's a pretty tough statement to make, and I'm proud of you for saying it because people are so divided these days, even within the church, that we need to stop this division and get back to what the Bible says. Yeah. So, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, feasting on the Word, we should be, oh, let's keep our nose in it all the time. Every single topic that gets discussed in the news, every single topic we get faced with, it's all to the Bible. That's why it's there. But we don't believe it's there. It's like, okay, let's go to the church and get the answer. If you get an answer from a church, they better be opening up the Bible. Because <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all our job is, is to, okay, let's try to figure this out and, uh, and those things. Um, so thanks, Wes, for, for saying that. All right, anybody else? Yes, Dan Dewey. Yeah, we got a microphone coming to you. In this day and age, to me, it's hard to be a liberal or conservative either way because there are so much, there are so many things going on that you, you know, you can't be one way or the other. There's no, there's no line. That you can walk, it's not going. You're not going to get off one way or the other. It's just impossible. This world is so. Uh, I guess messed up. There's no. There's no right answer. The only answer is in that book. Yeah. That's what I believe. And the challenge would be to go after it, feast on it, and don't don't let it go. All right, we got a couple minutes left, but uh, we'll leave um, early. So um, um, again, I will um, tell you before we get into okay, this might be a you know a rated R conversation. <laughs> I'll tell you that before the week the week prior, um, because I don't we're not going to hold anything back just to, to let you know. Just because we're going to say all right, we got to talk about this topic and we got to bring it up because people have questions and we are faced with those questions in um, in our culture, whether it's with grandkids. Um, whether it's not grandkids, if it's not a topic that you're really involved in, I just ask you to be patient. And the reason why I ask you to be patient is, again, that these are being recorded. And those who are dealing with the topic, we're going to send to this recording and say, oh, listen to this. This is, you know, where we believe the Bible is staying at. But, you know, whatever you guys want to believe, this is, this is just where it's at in those things. All right? So you guys are dismissed.